0: The soul of summer in Columbus, the long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars, the just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers, long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash live forward.
1: All right, welcome back to the Raz Ball Prospect Podcast. I'm fresh off the plane, back from Florida. I'm here with my man Lance. It's opening day when we're recording this in the minor leagues, not opening day for the major leagues. That happened a, a week or so ago. We got the minor league games going on. We're going to break down some news. We're going to talk about some of the teams uh, that we're going to be following, some of the players, and you know, in the top 100 or you know, sort of on the periphery of that list, where they're going to be assigned. We'll be talking a lot of minor leagues. We're gonna mix in some Pirates uh, thoughts at the end, maybe a half hour, maybe half a show, going through top tens. I had, uh, you know, my my Pirates list just come out this past weekend, and uh, Lance did a lot of prep on it, so we couldn't completely trash it. But we're getting into the season now, or maybe we have to move on from some of these uh, these these early lists, Lance, and going through some of these systems. Yes. I think I think we got to get into some news because we have something to sink our teeth into. There's some jelly in these donuts,
2: by the way, Lance. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Oh, of course. Energy on this on this intro here, Ralph. Is pretty good, i got to say. I gotta we bring were going to chat a little before, and then you <laughs> kicked it on. The, the the switch was turned on. I'm ready to go now. Yeah, so we have uh, MILB opening day today. Um, big news is, obviously, that me and you are both going to the Hartford Yard Goats game against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Both Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo are with New Hampshire Um Very impressive that they're both there. It is the only team, I believe, to have two top 20 prospects per MLB pipeline on the same team. I'll be there tomorrow, Friday, um, which is technically the day before that this pot will come out because this pot will be out on Saturday. So we're going on Saturday. We're both going on Saturday separately. And then I think another individual, Paul Martin, we know, is going. And uh, I'll be there tomorrow. So there's going to be some snow in the forecast. So I'm kind of tired of this crap, Ralph. Snow in the Northeast ruining my chance to see some of the best prospects in baseball. But... You see, he's, he's kind of got to deal with it. You know, you roll with the punches here. But, uh, yeah, M.I.L.B. opening day, we got to, I don't know if we want to rattle, do we just want to rattle off my my notes here? Or what do you, you got any, uh, uh, Ralph, how about this? How about, what is the one thing that you're most interested to see in the M.I.L.B. season early? I won't go, like, full season, but early. You know, I remember you mentioned last week, leodi Tavares, you're really interested in some other guys. Is it more just wondering how guys like Bo and Vlad play up? At Double A, or is it? Is there something else that's kicking around in your head? Yeah,
1: I think there's a lot of it. I think there's, you know, you have your lower minors, guys, where you're looking to see, you know, do these guys take the next step? Like we were talking off air. I think it's Hagerstown has, you know, Juan Soto. you know, Can he stay healthy for a full season? And be really productive um, over the course of, you know, full season ball. I mean, I can only imagine what his power numbers could be, you know, if he really does stay healthy and get, you know, 500-plus plate appearances. It, I mean, Soto could jump up and listen oh, yeah. to the top oh, ten, yeah. especially with a big performance. But there's other guys in that team like uh, uh, and uh, Antuna, who's really interesting. He was like a you know shortstop. Some people think he could be a third baseman, and then Luis Garcia, who's playing third base tonight, who you know could be a shortstop or second baseman. Really interesting, sort of lower minors prospects. It's The team I'm following, and really interesting to see how they do. Um, rebound guys we were talking off air maybe mickey moniac can mickey yeah, moniac yeah. take a step forward you know does 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 blake rutherford take a step forward with power maybe some of those guys find it again um and then you know just all the guys that are sort of on the cusp you know my favorite tyler o'neill's tyler o'neill finally get an opportunity what does he do is, is he, does he make some improvements or you know does he sort of sort of take a step back here um uh, and just, you know, Bueller, what does Bueller do? Can he, you know, he do, you know, uh, 72 pitches tonight, you know, can he throw a hundred and throw six innings and be efficient and sort of do all those things he needs to do to sort of take that next step and be a major league starter and be ready to be a major league starter. I think that's a big part of it. And then just, yeah, I, you know, some of the other just big names and, you know, Kyle Tucker's a guy that I'm looking at cause he got assigned to triple a, you know, Fresno, That's a big deal to me because he could be very relevant in fantasy baseball. Like I said, coming into the year, he could be the Cody Ballinger this year where there could be a need due to injury or something happens in the first month or two of the season. And he's, you know, thrust onto a playoff team in a really good situation where he doesn't have to be the guy. He could come in, hit, do what he does and have some fun with it. And all of a sudden, you know. Things take off because he's in a great position, um, which is exactly what happened to Bellinger last year. So, yeah, I mean, there's just there's so, <laughs> there's there's so, so many things I'm following. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, you know, who and and the other thing is, who's the players that I've never heard of? This is exactly where I was going to go. That are going to take the step forward, because this time last year, I don't think a lot of people really knew who the heck Austin Hayes was. And now, you know, Austin Hayes is a perennial, he's top 50 prospect, I think, in everybody's mind, though. He got assigned a double A. And
2: in Bowie, in Bowie, really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I was oh, a little interesting, surprised by interesting. That. The Orioles, uh, always interesting what they do with their minor leaguers. But yeah, you mentioned a couple of names there, Ralph, that actually impacted today, so Thursday opening day in the MIOBs games. Uh, Bueller, as you mentioned, went 72 pitches across, four innings, five Ks, three hits, and earned run and a walk. Uh, Juan Soto, actually home in his first at-bat, along with tim tebow aha uh-huh. yeah we won't talk too much about him i don't want to dig into that but i feel like that could be a late uh wild card for mets fans to try to draw some fans <laughs> into the stands double A, I mean even if he's like a 320 obp guy with a crappy average in double a like i feel like there's gonna be some way for alderson to get him in the lineup eventually or just force force callaway's hand with it but uh eh, regardless of tebow i'm really interested in Soto. that approach for soto is Superb, one of the best I think in the minor leagues, next to a guy like Vlady, who is obviously in in a tier above. I would say, but in terms of just approach with the tools around it, the actual hit and power tools to to play up into the approach, like it, it, Juan Soto is up there. I think that. It's just been a, a matter of injury for him, and it's been a lot of stats, stat sheet scouting for a lot of people who do buy into him. It's a matter of looking and going, man, And these samples, you look at these stats, look at his approach, look at his pop, slug, et cetera. But we need to see it over a longer stretch for him, and he's off to a great start. Um, Jesus Lozarda was pitching tonight for the Stockton Ports. I didn't get to see his line, but I will try to jump over there and look. Colton Welker, um, another guy who I hope maybe can break up to Uh, double a at some point this year Ralph we could probably try to get a look at him out in Hartford. that'd be really cool he's in Lancaster I believe right now so maybe a little bit of inflation there um which happens with all kind of the Colorado system guys but um interested uh Max Schrock three run home run um Suley Matthias, actually Royals prospect I think I remember us talking about him and bantering a little bit we had a little uh I think I was higher on Khalil Lee than Suley Matthias, and you were higher on Suley Matthias and Khalil Lee and those are the both big raw high k high variance power bats in the royal system that i am sure royals fans are hoping at some point can actually manifest into productive players as opposed to the uh uh who's the who's that righty bat that has a ton of k's uh i forgot his name uh, regardless um it's <laughs> what's the, he's an outfielder he's like a fringe quad a guy ton of uh he's got a hunter lot of dozier. Power, hunter dozier that's Thank you. Thank you. You got you're on your on the ball tonight, Ralph. Thank you very much. Well, for it's okay because <laughs> I just saw Cory like Corey,
1: Corey, Corey collapsed and I'm trying to pick up uh, Jacob Barnes and any other brewery that be right there. did? League, oh, so second blonde save.
2: Oh, don't worry. I can keep <laughs> going. I can keep going. Um, Actually, I went through all my notes. I can't keep going. No, actually, I have one more thing. Eloy Menes, actually. I saw a report that he strained his pec lifting down in uh, in Arizona. Um, So I think he's sidelined for a bit. And Luis Robert, I believe, is also sidelined with a, a thumb strain. Anyone who's a Red Sox fan out there, Michael Chavis and Jay Groom are both I believe, sidelined. I think they're minor injuries, so to speak, but I mean, still sidelined. So I'll be interested to see what the Red Sox minor league system does in terms of timetable for them and the White Sox in terms of timetable with Eloy and Robert, who are two guys, actually, as we transition, Ralph, I wanted to talk, you sent me over last night, an MLB pipeline list uh, kind of talking about the top 100 prospects and where they were playing, and we kind of mentioned you mentioned Hagerstown was actually one that they didn't mention here, which is interesting. They're, they're relatively stacked in terms of what you were dropping and name dropping there. Some other teams that are relatively stacked: Gwinnett has Mike Soroka, Ronald Acuna, and Kobe Alard on one team. That is unbelievable and awesome. Uh, anyone who could get out to Gwinnett, that's a hell of a show. Especially because I, I like pitchers like that because you know when you're kind of like in an area and you're looking for a team to go try to get to if it pitchers are tougher because you generally have to kind of project out what day they're pitching. So like, say you get a, a Friday, Saturday set of tickets and then you miss and you get like the four or five in a system and the bats are in the system. Aren't that good? Like, that's always a pain to me. That's why it's always tough. Like you got to basically roll the dice. If you're buying tickets in advance on some of these guys, um, which is a good thing because I mean, Hartford tends to have more bats in their system than arms. And I believe New Hampshire is the same way aside from Nate Pearson. Uh, so, Maybe if you are in Gwinnett, go out and see Soroka and Allard. Um, Clearwater, Phillies High A, has Sixto Sanchez, Adam Hazley, and Mickey Moniak. Winston Salem, the High A of the White Sox, who I briefly kind of alluded to here. Luis Robert, Blake Rutherford, Dane Dunny, and Dylan Cease on that team. Those are some of the more stacked teams. Three highest players on MLB Pipeline's list that are non double A guys. So anyone who's number 18 on their list and above, I noticed was all double AA, A, triple A. Three guys who are below double A are 19, 20, and 21. They are Mackenzie Gore, who got assigned to Fort Wayne out in Indiana. Royce Lewis, who got assigned to Cedar Rapids, and Hunter Green of the Reds, who is back in Dayton, I believe. So uh that was uh kind of catching you up on who's where I I guess the 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 what's what of minor league baseball on opening day here, Ralph. Did you get Jacob Barnes? I did get a couple it. places. Not enough, though. Not, Not right enough? Spots. Did you get him in personally? Can I do that while we're talking? <laughs> yeah.
1: Go for it. <laughs> um, by, the, by the way, Gwinnett is going to be in Pawtucket on the 20th, though I don't know if Ronald Acuna will still be on the team at that Ooh, point. Interesting. But that is, oh. uh, There was a weekend series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Gwinnett plays uh, Friday night and then Saturday, uh, 6, and then they have an afternoon game on Sunday. So, I think I might head out and see one of those Gwinnett games, depending upon who's pitching.
2: But um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of stacked teams here. I mean, it's it's a matter of. I think for me, you know, we were talking a little bit about what we want to see in the season. It's so hard, as you mentioned. There's so many names we could go on forever, sure. just rattling off guys we're interested in. But I always like to see. What pitchers kind of jump into the fold and what adjustments they've made. Because that's something I think is a little bit harder to pick up on, even in spring training, just because we don't have the same data we have at the major league level. At the minor league level, I want to see guys like, you know, Adonis Medina last year who jumped up, changed around that slider, and and the K's just went through the roof. He shot up boards because of that. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of other guys, too. I think I, I mentioned Nate Pearson. He's another one who. I think can kind of accelerate through the minor leagues pretty quick and possibly get to New Hampshire in a month or two and a couple months by the end of the year or so, you know, in terms of where they're starting him and, and what they want to do organizationally with him and how they want to develop him. I assume as a starter, but I, I talked to Jim Zajkowski, he's the Vancouver Canadians pitching coach out there. And he mentioned that there's also a possibility to bring him up as a reliever, but I, I, I would bet that they go start a route with him, obviously just because of the stuff's unbelievable. and He has multiple pitches, but um, I, yeah, I like looking at some of these guys. Like we have our base of starters in our minds right now, Ralph. I think that we're we're keeping an eye on. But I always want to see who jumps up, which guy, you know, made an adjustment and now looks a lot better than he did. You know, can a guy like Dylan Cease put it all together, control the ball a little bit more, and jump up because his stuff's disgusting? But I know there's some con- concerns, particularly from my perspective, just on his control side and how how what the ceiling is there. Can he get to a reasonable control standpoint with everything he has on the breaking ball side? But um yeah I, I obviously like watching pitchers i think that's tends to be how i watch games more so than anything sure. so uh, and i feel like a lot of people did that too so <clears throat> i definitely have my eye on some starters in the minor leagues um a lot more injuries too i don't really know if i want to stay negative though i mean we gotta stay, we gotta go positive it's there, MLB there's a day. lot
1: of but there's a lot of prospect injuries i there mean on puck and Honeywell. i think eloy the eloy thing yeah. uh, Alex race put in the 60 day yep. dl though i don't know if it's reflective of anything at all obviously we lost brent honeywell um, we got forearm soreness for Tristan McKenzie, which I Ugh. hate. Yeah, I uh, Louis Robier is still dealing with the thumb thing, but I think he should be back, and I'm not too worried about that. Uh, you know, A.J. Pock obviously has TJ, Franklin Perez, uh, lat strain It's another big one. Anthony Alford, another guy that can never stay healthy. Louis Gohara, somebody that everybody was hyping up, left ankle injury. He can never stay healthy. I think we might have mentioned, you know, Alec Hansen, another forearm guy, an uh, mm. oblique. I really with like Hanson too with Matt Manning. Yeah, mm-hmm. Matt Manning. I think there's a lot of good ones. And of course, we know the knee with, with Kyle Lewis. You mentioned Chavez. You mentioned Jay Groom, who just I wanted to touch on him for a minute. You know, sure, he just can't stay healthy. And and there was you know so much and uh, sort of po- positivity and just sort of guard, guarded optimism about Groom. I feel like at least around here and with sure. the media, sort of for the first time. Uh, Around the Red Sox organization that he was working out with sale. And they sort of felt that he was like on the straight and narrow and doing the right things. And, you know, maybe his father, you know, and all that situation was, you know, in the periphery and in the rear view, at least, you know, from not being in his face every day. Um, And then he gets injured, you know, so maybe let's hope it's nothing, just a bump in the road, but this is kind of how last year started out. And I just feel like, you know, you you just want a pitcher like this to just have a full normal season, you know? I mean, that he, would be so be, valuable
2: at his
0: age. Yeah. There's going to be injuries,
1: and even if there was something late in the season and they shut him down, like I don't think that's such a big deal. But get like those first like 90 consecutive good innings and like under your belt, you know? And 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 you figure out how to pitch and you sort of put the the bad stats from the year before behind you there's a lot to be said for that. And it's sort of unfortunate that uh, that's happening. And I don't know if I'm saying that as a Red Sox fan, I don't really have anything invested in Jay Groom. And at this point, I mean, I don't even, uh, I watch so many teams. I care about my fricking fantasy teams. I don't (laughs) care about like, I don't care about the Red Sox anymore. And then my boy, Ryan, Ryan Mountcastle, I forgot that he, uh, he had fractured his hand. I totally forgot. I knew
2: it happened. I totally forgot. Yeah. That's split my mind too. Yeah. Mountcastle,
1: like mid to late, like, uh, uh uh March. Oh, geez, I do I yeah. not know
2: that? Well, actually, let's talk about let's talk about Mount Castle and Groom, because they're both guys that I think I have opinions on. So with Groom, I remember we had John Cavalno, I believe, with Sal Notes on, and we were talking about uh Groom and some of the other Red Sox prospects, I believe. And uh I liked Groom a lot, honestly, because he's really, really young. And the thing that stands out for me with guys who are that young is unbelievable two pitch combinations and, and just like next level two pitch combinations we're talking because Grimm has that. And I think he was almost suppressed on some lists, maybe because of the age, maybe because of the risk. There's a ton of risk in these young arms. Like I think I, I, I it's tough. Cause I wonder how much like the Boston media influences because we're both out in the, in the Northeast Boston area how much that influences like my negativity around him because he's 19 and he's a really big guy, he's 6'6 yeah. and it's like you got to i don't know, i just i take deep breaths with these guys. Like you have to know going in if you're a dynasty owner and you own Groom that it's going to be a long road. But in terms of floors on guys who are this young for me, I think his is a little bit higher than others and I know that might sound weird, especially with all the injury bugs he's had and some of the off-field story things that I think you briefly mentioned right there, but I love that curveball so much. And oh, if you so watch good. it and how he tells that pitch and how deceptive that pitch is and how everyone raves about how deceptive that pitch is out of his slot when he sequences his his fastball to his slider, or excuse me, his curveball is just bonkers from the left side. It's unhittable for lefties. He's going to decimate lefties. We talk about like, you know, most floors on super high volatile arms. It's like, oh, they, may, they got two pitches. Maybe they end up as a reliever. But I would love to see Groom work on that changeup. And I think he has a a more natural arm slot to to allow that changeup to develop a little bit more and help him out against right-handed bats and stuff. I think that based on how I see it progressing. Like, you know, there's a bunch of other guys. we like, I don't mean to transition into the the Pirates already. We could, we could hold it off. But Mitch, uh, um, Mitch Keller, his projection on his changeup is interesting. He's got a little bit lower of an arm slot from the right side. And I think there's a not concern around how that pitch develops, but it's definitely something everyone's been watching very closely. But a guy like Groom, to me, I almost project that changeup out a little bit higher than Mitch Keller, projection-wise, not actual right now, but projection-wise. I I like his slot and how that pitch could develop, his fastball command on both sides of the plate. And I still just can't get over that pitch. I love that curveball. It's Maybe like Agreed. sneaky <laughs> one of my favorite pitches in the minor leagues, just because it's it's so good and it's everywhere you you read and hear. And I uh, Diva Loria does some fantastic kind of minor league journalism on Fangraphs.com. And uh, I remember uh, he's written a couple articles, and everyone always he always somehow gets back to Groom when he's talking about uh anything re- regarding Sally Leaguer um or the Red Sox and uh man. That that pitch always comes out and I love it. And then Moncastle is a guy I think you had relatively high on your top one hundred list, Ralph. And this goes back to I remember though I believe what you mentioned is that Brendan Rogers is is not too dissimilar from him. And I agree with that. I just mm. For me, on Mountcastle, it's really interesting what they've done to his swing and how they developed it. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> think I love it. And again, we're tying this back to the Pirates. List. Damn Austin- Orioles! <laughs> tying back to the Pirates, list, Austin Meadows, is another guy who dropped his hands, and I think a lot of people don't like it. I think I like it probably a little more than most. The more I looked into it, maybe get into that in a little bit. But with Mountcastle, do you think Ralph that he has the bat to play up in a corner outfield spot if they can't keep him in in the infield?
1: Yeah, I do. I really do. Like I, I think that you know this is a guy that has really good bat to ball skills and a lot of raw power. Like I think he's just a natural hitter and you know, whatever tweaks they made to a swing, maybe they eventually go back to the right stuff. I think he'll find his way. Um, I'd love to see him walk a little bit more. Sure. I think everybody would. There's sort of a, you know, some stories out there that even, you know, Buck show Walter was kind of giving them crap and spring training about it. Um, but you know, there are times where he just puts on a show And you even see it in games. This guy is just a really strong um, hitter. But he just needs a little bit more approach. And I think if he's a little bit more polished, it's the same things we say about Brandon Rogers. I don't think he's going to end up necessarily in the infield. Um, I think he probably has a good enough arm for third base. I just don't know if the rest rest of the package defensively sort of sticks there. So as you said, maybe he ends up a left fielder. And I think he can hit enough. You know, I, I think he's... Every bit as good, if not better than you know, Trey Mancini is or mm-hmm. will or will be every every good or, or uh, every bit as good as Trey Mancini is. A but yeah, that, that was kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, he's not somebody. Uh, I'm I'm certainly not going to you know write him off if he moves to the outfield. I still think he has a lot of value there because I think that you know he he could be a 280 you know 30 homer guy.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I see that too, and I think that's interesting to come back. The Orioles have some interesting very near town i think it was talking to someone today about about tanner scott actually and that that 80 grade fastball that gets kicked around a lot and and how similar to me uh, that almost appears to be Jordan Hicks who's I guess more of a relevant right now minor league prospects fringe prospect and he's fringe top 10 I don't think a lot of Cardinalists that I read had him inside the top 10 just because they tend not to for relievers like that like they tend to kind of suppress them down I thought I saw him like between 10 and 15 but well, he, was uh, a,
1: he was a starter until this year wasn't he
2: yeah I believe so AFL last year I think he was when he was started to transition back to, to a reliever and the fastball velocity jumped up so that's what you see like a lot of people say that he didn't have strikeouts in the minor leagues but that's because the Velocity didn't tick up on that fastball. It didn't start playing up. It, it basically looked shades of itself when he went to the foul.
1: I was looking at Statcast yesterday, and he has like the like eight of the like the top like ten recorded it's He threw tonight,
2: and he had I think six pitches over hundred or something. So he yeah. threw on Thursday for anyone listening on Saturday. Yeah, he throws smoke. And, uh, he throws smoke. Yeah, and the curveball for him is 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 not the best pitch, but I mean. I, I, I wonder, you know, if you're a hitter, Ralph, and you're going up against a guy like this who probably don't have a deep scouting report on, and Hicks is just laying that fastball in there, it's probably going to take a few weeks for the word to get around on that pitch and how to how to attack it, even if it is a little bit straight or whatever. Um, I, I'm interested to see the and straight race specifically on that pitch once we get a little more of a sample size of it at the major league level, but... But he's always, is, interesting. Good, he's always
1: gotten good grades in the curve. I mean, like, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the slider and the change of, you know, are considered fringe. But yeah, he's always had like seven sixes, you know, on the fastball uh, curve.
2: Yeah. And, and that works. I mean, you get you get a guy that the you level with two sixes or sevens. And next thing you know, I mean, the thing with the Carlos, though, they have so much starting pitching depth. Like Jack Flaherty got kicked down to triple A for Wayno today. And he got kind of actually pitched a little better than I thought he was going to pitch. But. But I, I watched Flaherty thart, Flaherty that Flaherty start. That is crazy invest. to me. Yeah. I, think, I wonder if it was literally just because they wanted Waino to start the home opener. And, I mean, he's inevitably <sighs> going to go back on the deal at some point. But Flaherty pitched pretty well. I enjoyed what I saw. His command in that start was the best command I've ever seen him. And I also want to point out that, that he was the one who gave up that home run to Vlad Jr., that walk-off shot in Montreal. He, yeah. he hung that slider. And, man... It's really funny because I I was watching that and that happened and I was like oh my god like that was such a flat slider and then in this start every single one of his sliders was beautifully positioned he had such good command in that start that's what happens when a guy is like a two pitch pitcher and he has really good command you get a start where he goes five and K's like nine and doesn't give up any hard contact until you start seeing him a third time um, I comp him actually a little bit Ralph I don't know if this is good here I, I know we're getting into more kind of fringe prospecty redraft stuff here but Denelson Lamette, <laughs> um, who kind of started working on a curveball a little bit, I think, in the spring. Uh, I I think those are relatively similar pitchers, Flaherty and Lemet. I think Lumet's slider's a little bit better, possibly, just because we have a better sample on it, so I can say that statistically. But um, I think they're similar guys. I like the depth on uh, Flaherty's curve. I actually think that if Lemet could start using his curve like Flaherty uses his curve, that could actually be a pretty big boost for him. I know I think I'm a little bit more anticipatory about the changeup on Lemet, but um, I'm interested to see how that curve works when he comes back. Yeah, because
1: he still, I mean, uh, uh, Flaherty still throws that that curveball, fifteen, you know, fifteen percent of yeah, the time. Yeah, it's so, probably so. around twenty
2: percent. The lefties, too. yeah, he mixes it in mm-hmm. exactly. You know? And look, I also want to mention Joey Lucchesi. I didn't even know Joey Lucchesi was starting today. Thinking about the Padres here, um, he threw pretty well. I was actually super happy to see that. I know that he was yeah, one of my he was. deep, deep sleeper guys, but I, I thought he was going to get kicked back down. I wasn't sure on the Lament timetable. But um, I think he k would 7 today, went five. You know, the control looked pretty, pretty good. I I honestly didn't get to see the start. I want to go back and watch some of it because I've been keeping a keen eye on him. Super funky delivery guy, anyone who sees him. But uh, he's one of the arms here who, in the Padre system that is relatively stacked, I think has the most right-now impact, you know, in terms of he could be probably a four right now, I think, in a rotation if you stretch him out a bit. But um, what are your thoughts on Lucchese, Ralph? I don't know if we've talked about him too much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I like Lucchese. Um, I, you know, he misses a ton of bats. A lot of it is deception. I, I'd say that, like, because he's got what a, 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 if I'm not mistaken, fastball. Fastball is like low nineties. Yeah, I don't have my nose in front of me. Decent changeup and yeah. I, which I think is above average. He didn't throw the too too you know, first. Start curveball, curveball, yeah, slider, right? It's, it's a yep, curveball.
2: Yep, yeah, I think the slider is like a. A really low percentage pitch, from what I understand. But the curve is what he threw a ton. He's been throwing a yeah. lot more in the spring, and he threw in that first start, and I like the look of it a lot in the spring. And I know that that I don't think it was graded out as like a above average pitch. So I think that it might have been something he was possibly working on the off season that got him up. But uh, I, I'd like to see some other takes from Padres people who've seen him extended and wonder about because I, I think they that changes a pitch. I think a lot of people like on him, but I really like that curve and what I saw from that curve yeah i've think it's i written
1: about him as a sleeper before um you know he's a guy that's you know when i do my padres write up uh, he's not gonna be top 10 but no, he's gonna be no, no, you no. know he's right pretty, in there pretty pretty close and that's just because the padres are so freaking deep yes and there's so many especially if you're looking at dynasty League, so many guys that are you know uh four years away or so that have a ton of talent i know uh Jesse and Rosario, who's one of my favorite sleepers I always oh, talk about. Mm-hmm. I, think he went, I think he actually went two for four today in his uh, oh, nice. his, his 2018 debut. So, yeah, I'm hoping for big things from him. And uh, I think that probably segues kind of nicely into Mitch Keller and, and some of yeah. these arms we were talking about before. Why don't we jump into some Pirates now? Sure. And uh, why don't you talk about Mitch Keller? We'll talk about Keller first, yeah, then yeah. go into Austin Meadows. I feel like we've talked about Meadows so much at this point that we've talked about, you it know, a bit. yeah. Yeah. Power speed contact guy. I know he's made some, some mechanical tweaks in his swing and whatnot, yep. but of course now we're going into meadows, of course, <laughs> Start of course but, meadows.
0: but I really don't
1: think like he's all that interesting anymore because he's interesting from the sense of like, if he hits and he gets playing time, he's interesting. But until then, like, he could kind of drive you crazy like Oh, you he'll know,
2: drive he will drive you crazy. I think Dan, if you're an like owner.
1: Dan Yeah, like Dan Vogelbach has. You know, yes. not, yeah. not that you invested as much in, in Vogelbach that you invested in in, in Austin <laughs> Meadows. But at the same time, it's just like, when the heck is this guy gonna finally get an opportunity? I don't think he has it this year again, right? No, I mean no. he needs like what, two injuries, I feel like. I feel like they would probably bring up Jordan Lupelo to play mm. every day before they would call up Austin Meadows. Part of it is his health. The other part of it is his actual production. So I guess we got into an Austin Meadows conversation. Well, we'll Let's talk about Meadows. Mitch Keller next, but stick with Austin Meadows. Sure. I'm all over the place. It's 1130, 1115. Nah, no at I can't even read the clock. What do you What do you <laughs> think about Meadows? Is there anything I'm not hitting on here? I mean, I love the talent. I ranked this guy number three overall going into 2017. He's probably the biggest smear on my record in terms of a ranker. It happens. Don't worry. But I don't, but I don't hate him. No, no, I, no, still no. I think to, that's the like, big thing. Forty. I mean, I, don't, he's I still don't even drop on my top 50. I mean, like, the way he's played, he should be out of the top 100, you know, and the, <laughs> the true, injuries yeah. he's had, hamstring injuries, and in three consecutive seasons. He is incredibly frustrating. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just got a hit, man. He, You know, he's in, back in AAA in Indianapolis. I believe he's healthy. Let's see what happens.
2: Let's see. Yeah, he's got a thing with him. Uh, honestly, like... In terms of like grading out prospects, if you want to grade him out at at various points in his career and just talk pure skill and like the future potential of those skills, you could toss a lot of sixes and sevens on him and make him like an overall six, seven prospect. Like this kid is. Really, really good, and he's only 22. And I, I, The stats haven't been great. He's been hitting around like 250s and stuff. The biggest thing last year that I think a lot of people are knocking him for, I, I've seen it long and hanging, and I know Fangraphs doesn't like it at all, was the swing change they made. And I think to some extent it was to bring out a little bit of his power. If you watch any tape of him from his high school days, he, we, we were talking a little pre-show that he actually never played with or against Clint Frazier, but they grew up in the same town, Ralph, is that right? And they, Jordan, yes. Georgia, or something, I think. Yes. And uh, so they were always connected, him, uh, Frazier, and Meadows, and they were supposed to be obviously the second comings of five tool outfielders, and neither of them's really done anything, possibly uh, on both of them, mainly because of playing time blockage. But with Meadows, the big change last year was his hands drop. Watch him tape uh, in 2016 and watch him in 2017, and you see his hands drop down a little bit. So the thing here, I, I, I don't really know if I got a, a thorough explanation as to why Longenhagen Hagen doesn't like the hand drop. And I think actually from what just I heard on the consensus of people not liking the hand drop, I just absorbed that opinion. But I actually watched it, and I don't think I hate it as much as others hate it. And I know the production production hasn't been great, but the power numbers did go up with it. And it, it, to me, what the, the logic behind what they did with his hands was was relatively simple. He has like a little bit of a hesitation prior to his swing trigger if you watch him and from the left side, and there's a lot of smooth left-handed swings. I think his swing is relatively smooth, but this, it's not a hitch, it's like just a little, almost freezing of his body, and then he swings really hard, and he's got a great bat speed, obviously, but what I think they did with lowering his hands was just that hesitation. They almost kind of smoothed it out. What they did was they just dropped his hands right into the hesitation point, so that he sits there and he loads there, and then he comes back and through the zone from the left side, but they effectively eliminated that a little bit, and I don't know if, there's scouts who like that particularly. I don't think I loved it, but regardless of anything, like he had decent play coverage through the minor leagues for a bit, and he's got a ton of pop. There's good back speed, there, there's contact, there's hit tool, and there's a combination of the hit tool and the power tool, and they're both plus, which is something that you mm-hmm. don't get a combination of a lot, and with a decent approach. And you put it all together, and you're still looking at a guy who I think could grade out as an above average everyday outfielder who isn't going to be subject to a, a heavy, heavy platoon. Um, He could go off fields, but the production hasn't been great. You know, I'm talking about all this, and then you look at the stats, and you go, well, how do you support those opinions, Lance, seeing as the stats are X? And it's like, I know, but it's tough. It's just tough to go back and give up on guys like this. And I think that's why you like him still, and I kind of still like him. You know, he's 22. And there's one other thing I think that
1: that knocks him a little bit, too, is he's he's not really a center fielder. Like, I don't think, you know, the routes in the defense, but his arm is bad um so a lot of people think that you know he's probably going to end it's up a left, left fielder yeah. and they're going to have to hide the armor a little bit um and he's not but a he's great gonna... center fielder
2: no no no. and i think that's another thing too is like you often have the pipe dream of like oh he's a center fielder on real life prospect lists like oh the value there's so much higher and like he, you give him the arm knock it's below average like sure put him in left but he's still got i think average speed like he's gonna yeah. have decent range out yeah. there he probably ends up as like an even outfielder and left it's just you'd go left and the benchmark on the bat ticks up but I'm okay with the bat benchmark on the bat ticking up. I like his, like, the benchmark on the bat ticks up when you go to left field. We're talking about another guy that could end up in left field, Ryan Mountcastle, you know? Like, I think that if you if you ask me in a couple of years who's the better offensive profile, I'd probably lean Meadows. I think Meadows oh, can figure yeah. it out maybe more Absolutely. than Mountcastle can. So if the, if you have the concern that Mountcastle's bat doesn't play up, you know, like, I feel like that concern's almost mitigated a little bit with Austin Meadows. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you the bat.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying the I'm, just, I'm the talking. In general, I'm saying, yeah. yeah, I'm saying just like playing time. Like, I think that, that oh, for sure prevents yeah. them from being able to go, you know, full bore and trade Marte or whatever they have yes, to do to yeah. get, you know, medals into the outfield. Of course, when they added Corey Dickerson, I think it sort of just, you know, ended the dream of medals lefties, coming up this yeah. year and being productive unless, you know, Dickerson's, of course, traded I think they or just want him to stay healthy. Injured. Yeah,
2: as we as you were saying, it's. Just yeah, I think it just sucks. They, I think
1: they want. I think they want to see like at least like a, a good few months. And if you know he's hitting and uh, things go well and he's healthy, maybe late July it wouldn't shock me if they somehow find a way to get him in the mix. Especially if we see the see old,
2: him.
1: yeah, yeah, we see the old Meadows and he's hitting, you know, two eighty to three ten, stealing bases, hitting yeah. for some power, and just making things happen on the bases. I think you know he can be a dynamic force at the top of a lineup. Uh, when it's all coming together.
2: Absolutely agree. 100% agree with you. How about Mitch Keller, Ralph? Actually, I wanted to ask you very briefly, just in your rationale, sure. on the fantasy side of things, Austin Meadows over Mitch Keller, is that just a, a bad overarm thing?
1: Yeah, that's bad overarm thing. And, and the other part of it is, I ranked Austin Meadows three overall going into 2017. Sure, so you don't want to him so, too much. I, guy, yeah, right? I mean, I, I'm not going to yeah. admit defeat there, because I think the talent, as we just said, I mean, he, it's he, there. Yeah. He, if he's healthy and everything goes well, I think we could say, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he's a top 10 prospect again, you know, next year, if, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't surpass his limits and he put up the production, he was healthy, all that stuff goes into it. And the other part of it is Mitch Keller, great pitching prospect real life wise. I would have him above Austin Meadows at this point. Cause I think he projects out to be a really good real life pitcher. Mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. what is the upside with fantasy? How high is the ceiling? Maybe Fair. it's pretty high, but I feel like there's a higher probability that he's just a really good three to a you know, number two or like an amazing three. And and that's really what his role more or less is in fantasy, that he's like your third starter. And, and, and maybe he's Dallas Keuchel, right, who's a good fantasy starter. You don't hate it when he's on your team, mm. but you get the ratios and, you know, the strikeouts just aren't – He's not, you know, you're not getting like, you know, nine K per nine type of stuff out of him. It's more of a seven and a half, eight and a half sort of profile. And I think that dings him a little bit when you compare him against other pitching prospects that are out there, the Michael Kopecks, the Forrest Whitley's, even the Walker Bueller's, and some of those guys where, like I said, a really high floor. I think the other part of it too is if he, if that changeup comes around and it's consistently, Mm shows to be an above average to plus pitch you know and he, and he matches that up with that that loopy curveball and that really good fastball with a really easy velocity which is the stuff we rave about yep. and it's plus control then yeah he takes that step forward and he's an ace maybe that allows him to miss a little bit more bats but ultimately it's that sort of below the top tier in terms of you know the the K stuff and that's the differentiator for me with pitching prospects because ultimately that's what's make or break a lot in fantasy. You know, you
2: go, you go upside in the pitching most of the time. I think that's probably the smartest thing to do if you're, if you're looking at a dynasty league. But with that being said, I still like Keller a lot. I think I have him. If you're talking like the upper echelon of pitching prospects, I think I have him right at that back end of that tier, like behind Copac Reyes, et cetera, et cetera. But he's like right there. I think that he's, from a control standpoint, it's fantastic, and that's probably where you create the high floor with him. I think I probably would agree a little bit, Ralph, in saying that I'm not really sure how high fantasy wise the upside is. I think that real life he could be really good, but I think that he could be really good sitting with like a 225 walk per nine and like an 859 K per nine, you know? Like sitting right in that range where you're like, if you're a team, you're like, God damn, I love throwing this guy out there. You know, yeah. like a tie-own kind of, like a, comp a, pirate, pirate to pirate, a tie-own kind of guy. Not a sinker baller, but just a guy you toss out and you're like, yeah, he's going to give me six. You know, he's going to have some rocky outings. But you look at the end of the season, you see 170 innings. It's easy velo. You're not too worried about anything on the hill side of things. He's still really young. He still possesses a lot of upside. I like Keller a ton. I think that... It, He was probably one of my prospect crushes, I think, for a bit last year when I really started digging into him and watched him in the AFL a little bit. I know a good buddy, Jason Panini, who I think we both follow. He does a ton of scouting and and looking around the the minor leagues in college, etc. Saw a lot of Keller. Really liked Keller. Thought we actually, me and him were bantering back and forth that we thought Keller was working on another pitch for a while. It was like this weird cutter, um, which was like a higher 80s pitch with, uh, I believe, glove side movement. That uh, he was catching on his radar gun and we couldn't really tell what it was, so I don't know what that is, but uh, maybe it's just a modification of his of like a slider. But I know he's fastball curveball and he's that changeup is obviously the third pitch. But um, mm. I got to connect with Jason again and see if he actually thinks that was Keller working on another pitch, but can't confirm or deny that. But yeah, as we were talking about the changeup, that is. It's with so many guys in the minor leagues, Ralph, it's it's two pitches, and then you got to figure out the third pitch. And I think he's got a pretty good feel for it. I, I'd be relatively confident in that pitch playing up the left-handed bats, which is obviously what's he's got to what he's got to use it against. Because the curveball is very, very good pitch. It's probably sixty. I don't think I'd push it into the seventy, but fastball sixty with really good with this kind of command, I think is is advanced, and that's why you have him in this tier. And I agree with you there one two. I'd probably have Keller over Meadows, um, but uh, maybe that's just a preference thing. I think I like Keller a bit. Um, uh, you know what else I like, Ralph? I like roto and Kenneth me? Cashman.
1: Me? Kenneth Cashman?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you went full, like, daffy duck on me there, man.
1: What's up I,
2: I got to drink water. When I talk, my mouth dries up. Fuck <laughs> Kenneth Cashman is one of the Kenneth most amazing Kathman. men, I have to say. Uh, that's
1: right. My man, Kenny Cashman. I was talking to Kenny last night, working on some big things, coming up with some ideas, maybe for some – Prospect Podcast show shirts. Oh. Maybe some yeah, some oh. sort of a some sort of a Raz shirt with us incorporated yes. into it. Maybe we can sell out to the listeners and fans. But if you don't know, dot Roto-Wear, com, Kenneth underscore cashman, that's at Kenneth underscore cashman on Twitter, at rotaware on Twitter. Go to com. take a look at the t-shirts. If you haven't seen me on the baseball show wearing them, you might see me every single day when I'm on vacation wearing a different (laughs) one. I have my Crab Army shirt that I love, of course, because it's my own T-shirt. How could I not like it? I also have the Commissioner I was wearing down there. I have the Exit Velo City one, which is extra appropriate now with you know Giancarlo and and Judge in New York City. It's the old like New York City logo that you see in the John Lennon t-shirt where like in the famous you know picture that people always have in you know their lame college dorm room because they're trying to find their <laughs> identity and they're like, hey, I love John Lennon. Well hey, just yeah, I love things of
2: velocity. Yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> and 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 Kenny decided to just totally you know take that Crumple it up, turn into something else. Now it's exit Velo city. He's got the prospect stasher. Uh, he's got the AL and NL only that I was wearing. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different Roto wear shirts. Even just like the classic Roto logo is, is actually really cool. Um, the thing that's great about Kenny is he knows what's going on. He is a fantasy player himself and he's just kind of a hip dude. Like he, he, he gets it, man. You know, oh, he's absolutely. not going to put out any of this lame stuff. Kenny's putting out cool stuff. So I want you to go over to Roto Rotaware.com, at Rotaware, follow them, do all that stuff. I want you to buy some t shirts. And when you do, you can use our promo code, Uh SAGNOF, S A G N O F, to get 20% off your order. There you go.
2: What more do you? I mean, we keep giving and giving and giving, Ralph. It's unbelievable. It's like Christmas, Christmas in April. It actually feels like Christmas in April with the, with the weather up here. But, uh, regardless, but no, RotoWare is the best Sagnoff is the promo code 20% off. Kenny helped me rebrand actually a podcast that I do Two strike approach. It's on Spotify and iTunes. If you, if you are interested in hearing me banter for even longer, check it out. Um, and Kenny helped me with the logo. So mad shout outs to him huge job and as you mentioned he doesn't slack in any designs when he does something he commits to it he kills the design every single time and that is huge for me i respect him immensely for that and i've loved literally everything he's done design wise if you ever need anything design wise and you could grab some of his time he's a busy guy if you could grab some of his time and make it worthwhile to him he will help you out kenny cashman is the man is colin moran the man ralph i don't know i don't know if he's as as much a man as kenny
1: He's my sleeper this year in the uh, yeah. the Razzball sleeper pick. So he did hit a grand slam in the first week. So yeah, yeah. we're seeing a little bit of power. Maybe it all starts to click. He's got an opportunity. And I think it's the biggest thing is he's healthy. He's got the opportunity. We know about the swing change. I've really come around on him. The more tape I watched old Colin Moran versus new Colin Moran and what we saw last year. I, you know, I, I, I get the, I get these good feelings from these uh, these launch anglers. So I'm going to go with it with Colin Moran. You know, he's always had good approach. I don't think he's ever been a bad hitter. The big question has always been, you know, defensively, where does he end up? He was obviously in that Astros organization. Didn't live up to the hype of, you know, being a top 10 draft pick and then being a guy that a really smart organization like the Astros uh, targeted. But now he's got an opportunity with the Pirates. And uh, he's made some approach changes to try to tap into, you know, his power, which I think as a from a fantasy standpoint was probably his biggest knock. So, yeah, I mean, I have him three on my list and I'm obviously moving up in terms of, you know, my affection and feelings on Colin Moran. I've drafted him a few places, too, and actually add him in a couple of dynasty leagues. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'm in on Colin Moran. I didn't think I would be a year ago. And when I wrote my Astros list, I wasn't, I think we even talked about it. It was kind of lukewarm on him, but mm-hmm. I've just, it, the more I look into it, I'm just, he's got a really nice baseline hit tool. And I know, uh, Eno had actually written about this for the athletic the other day, but he was talking about, you know, Charlie Blackman using him as an example and the number of homers he hit in the minor leagues and all these guys that sort of develop this hit tool and have this, you know really good understanding of hitting at a, a baseline level. And then they add the power. Those are yeah, the guys that are have seemed to sort of take off. I mean, there's, there's been a lot, there's been a lot more Daniel Murphy's it seems with, you know, this launch angle stuff than there have been, you know, Justin smokes where they were really good power hitters. And then somehow figured out the, the context side of things. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that happens as much. You have to trust the guys that understand hitting because they, they just, they sort of, figure out the little small things. And, and once they have that baseline, it's just a matter of adding, you know, a little bit more loft or they just have really good back control and, and plate coverage. And they just, you know, figure out, you know, the things that they can get away with on certain pitches. And, you know, they just know themselves maybe better is, mm-hmm. I guess. I agree. As, no, that's, that's a zen, fair point as Zen as that sounds, they know themselves better, but, <laughs> but really, I mean, I, I, you know, maybe I'm not as, you know, super, super technical with swing mechanics, but no. I think, I think that's what it comes down to, you know, is a lot of times guys just, they have that baseline and that allows them to figure the rest of it out. And I'm starting to believe that a little bit more than just these off the chart baseline skills. So I'm, I mean, yeah. I think you probably agree. You'd rather have, a guy like Colin Moran and figure out the power, power, then maybe even 35 K percent guy. And maybe even then like, I don't know why we keep on going all roads lead back to Ryan Mountcastle, but then like maybe a Ryan Mountcastle who has a good hit tool, I guess. But, you know, you kind of worry about the approach that maybe he won't figure that out. You know, it's, it seems like it's easier to figure out how to hit for power than it is to figure out how to take a walk.
2: I think that's a good point. (laughs) That's a very good point, especially in this day and age where everyone is so tuned into to to launch angle and such. But, yeah, I think you had a pretty good blurb there on Moran. I don't want to hamper on and hang around it too much. The swing (laughs) comp, actually, Ralph, I noticed from a bat position standpoint, and I thought of this the more I saw him. Ryan McMahon, actually, a little bit. There's not many guys in baseball who have, like, a. don't know how to say this, but, like, they their bat – barrel hits the back of their shoulder like it's it's pointed at the ground as opposed to up. You don't see that all you yep. see that in like Goldie, Ryan McMahon, and Col Moran. There's like the three guys I can think of right off the bat. And I don't want to comp those guys together at all. Don't don't get me wrong there. It's aesthetic. But yeah, complete swing overall with overhaul with him. If you watch pop on YouTube, it's it's night and day. And I agree with you. I think that I think what you're saying philosophically in terms of a guy who has that baseline hits will trying to find the power is something I probably enjoy betting on a little bit more than, uh, um, the guy with the massive K's and no walks that we hope can one day start taking a walk. I think that's tough to do. Um, and internalize Shane bads, number four on your list, Ralph, we're getting into a little bit more volatility here. He's 18 years old. He was drafted 12th overall. Um, I don't think we have too much of a sample with him. I think it was about 20 and he's rookie ball. There really was no control there. I don't think I want to buy in, into that small sample too much. This is an arm you're projecting out. You're projecting it out probably three, four years down the road. You're hoping to figure out some of his mechanics. Um, I watched – I actually haven't mentioned these guys in a while, but Top Velocity is one of my favorite YouTube channels. I actually find myself randomly at night sometimes just putting on their videos and, watch, and listening to Ben Porciao break down mechanics. And 90% of the time, I don't fully understand what he's talking about. But for, for that 10% of the time that I do, I value what he says a lot because you know he's, he gives you a really good baseline understanding of, of how the kinetic <laughs> chain works in terms of pitching. And he broke down bats. And uh, um, he actually has – the most the, the most noticeable thing that I'll mention about his delivery is he has kind of this kick he's it's almost like a buck with his back leg his drive leg that comes up and they comp it in the video to your donno ventura rest in peace um it, they comp it back to him actually who who's another guy who maybe didn't have the best lower half mechanics but had enough upper body torque had enough drive and power towards the plate that when it, that all stopped on the front leg and they had really, really active front legs that straighten out and pull their torso forward. So there's not too much arm stress there, but the thing is that like their back leg doesn't fire well enough. So what happens is when all that weight hits forward and slams into the front leg and it extends the back leg, like bounces up and kicks around and it, it's just a natural motion. And I don't know if poor Sal was, was too fond of it. Um, I couldn't tell you breakdown specifically why he's a guy who watches a ton of mechanics. So I'm sure he could go on forever on that. But, uh, but uh, but Baz, that's the thing you'll notice about him is he's got this kind of leg kick that bounces back up uh, off his leg when he's throwing. And uh, I wonder if that affects his command a bit. But, um, you know, he's a kid's 18. This kid's super athletic. I think that he does a lot well rotationally with his body and how he throws. And I, I like his mechanics a lot. If you're betting on anyone in the lower minors, um, I know there's not a good track record with, record with some of these prep arms. And I know that. But, you know, you can get this guy at a discount, I think, in most leagues unless someone's a buyer. Um I, I like him as a flyer. I like him as a deep, deep flyer here. Wait a couple of years, see how it's looking. Hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of guys like this. Um, I don't know how much Baz stands out to you specifically, Ralph. Yeah, I, I mean, he's a guy
1: that was sort of on the cusp of my top 100. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think like, he's
2: right in that window. Yeah.
1: I like I like Baz a lot. I mean, I, and I think there's some other things going for him too is, you know, Texas prep arm. That's one part of it. Um, projectable yep. right-hander he's, he's also like kind of got a little bit of like a Michael Kopeck build where he's, I don't know if you realize this, he's like a, you know, a, a lifting maniac. Oh, he Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. I liked his frame, but yeah, I didn't st- notice that strong, strong frame, that whole thing going for him. The other part of it that he adds though, is he's got really advanced pitch ability for a kid, his age. I know is, you know, if you look at the velocity rings, they talk, you know, can be as low as 91 all the way up to 98. And a lot of that is just him shaping his pitches and being able to take a little mm. bit off and a little bit on. And you don't necessarily see that all the time with 18 year old kids that can throw 98 miles an hour. They want to throw 98 miles an hour. Most of the, almost all the time that (laughs) happens with 38 year old guys that throw 98 miles an hour. So, (laughs) um, but the other part of it is he's got two really um, nice off speed pitches, one in in a cutter. uh, And then another, you know, um, with a, a, a slider so which is kind of strange, right? Because they're yeah, I was about to ask you. similar I, I, similar pitches, but I you know, mm-hmm. that's you know, when you read the scouting reports and you sort of watch some of the tape, I don't know if you notice some of the different, you know, shapes of his pitches, but no,
2: I didn't. I didn't
1: he, he sort of has the ability to shape them a little bit differently, and they are distinctly different in in sort of you know how they're shaped. Um, you know, throws in a curveball as well, and then he's he's gotta change up, you know, two. So he's got five pitches and In a lot of ways, he's just like a more normal version of what like a a Mackenzie Gore type is. I'm using air quotes there. He's not Mackenzie Gore, but athletic, you know, prep Prep arm. arm, arm with some pitch ability, feel for a handful of pitches. There aren't many guys that come along like that. But I think there's a lot of really good prep arms that were in this class, and some good college arms too, like Kyle Wright and some of those guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, Alex Faeo. He gets a little bit overshadowed, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I it's think that Baz is another guy there. Ton of risk in a good organization. They've done a good job of you know molding a lot of these pitchers. Maybe they don't necessarily take that next step. That's sort of been an issue with like you know Garrett Cole really sort of taking that next step. Obviously Tyler Glasnow. You know, we still hope for Jamison Tyon that he can take that next step. That's kind of been an issue. But for the most part, I mean, they've developed decent arms. I mean, Trevor Williams, yeah. kind of a good arm that came out of nowhere. Stephen Brault isn't a bad arm. I, mean, I think that they max Check out cool. a lot yeah, of their prospects. Of so I, I like the fact that he's in the Pirates organization. That's always a big part of it. And I think it bumps up their value in dynasty leagues, you know, too. Is, you know, If you feel that yeah. they're in an organization that develops players well, you have a little bit more faith
2: sure sure Uh, i'm gonna kick it back to you for Lolo sanchez rough i couldn't find too much video on him the only thing i got was that he's young um was he a j2 guy you could correct me on that he only played 51 games rookie ball okay 51 games rookie ball 284 359 417 with four home runs wasn't too efficient on the bases but give me the breakdown on him i can't say i know too much
1: yeah you know just like a developing you know contact and speed guy really really raw um, still hit okay. I mean, he hit two eighty four, three fifty nine, four seventeen with you know four homers. There's some pop in the bat. There's some speed. Sort of a five tool mm. profile. They feel he can grow into it. That you know athleticism, everything across the board checks all the boxes. That does he you know, get? He could,
2: does he get the the Gregory Polanco comp at all? Because he's a pirate and he's got those. Tools. I've
1: I've heard more like the the Victor Robles sort of. Uh, oh, okay. Some more speed than I. Which I think is like a Starling Marte sort of comp because I always comp. Okay. Robles to Marty. I think they're similar players. I think he's the same kind of a guy. He's not going to be the big masher. It's going to be more the contact with the speed, but he's not nothing in terms of his power, which makes him really exciting for fantasy. And he's a guy that's been really buzzy this off season. Um, And I think just in terms of dynasty value, there's a ton of it there. Um, Yeah. I mean, the tape that I've watched is, is, is sparse. And uh, you know, I've read a lot of stuff on like pirates prospects and, you know, they do a good job, sure. um, you know, on the, on the net. I think it's Pirates, maybe Bucks prospects. I don't know, Every so often I'll like get like a membership. it's like a, Dugout or something? Yeah, and I get, maybe, like, I get like, like a membership for a week so I can read about Pirates prospects. But, um, <laughs>
2: Absorb it yeah, all. Yeah, <laughs> I've, heard,
1: I've heard good things from other writers about Lolo Sanchez, people that got to see him down in the, G, the GCL. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, it's like Ronald Acuna. You sort of hear about these guys. They're always good to take a flyer on. Um, because they can pay dividends because this is the type of profile that typically jumps up and gains a ton of value in your dynasty leagues.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll keep an eye on him for sure. I can't say I dug in too much there. Um, Cole Tucker is a guy I have dug in on a little bit. He's another guy who kind of sprays around a bunch of average to slightly above average tools. Um, Do you think he sticks that short, Ralph? I know he has a little bit bigger of a frame here. Uh, I think he kind of does. I've heard that he kind of does. Overall, though, he's he's relatively interesting. He's got a relatively good approach at the plate. I think he's walking around 10% of the time. The swing's pretty compact. It's smooth. He's got a decent arm. He's got a decent glove. It seems like there's a lot here. What is the upside, though? I think that's the biggest thing that I ran into and kind of hit a wall with. Um, I would probably flip Cabrian Hayes over him. I think I just like Cabrian Hayes a lot, which is probably one of my prospect loves, which is understandable. But, uh, but Cole Tucker is really interesting. Um, I think he was a high school kid too, who developed for a while in the system. So we were mentioning that we're kind of touting the, the Pirates development here. And this is a great Mm -hmm. example of it and how, and how uh, almost ready Cole Tucker is right now.
1: Yeah. And I'm wearing my Bradenton hat from when I actually saw Cole Tucker and Brian Hayes. I was sitting uh, actually, in the opposing dugout, so it was right on the left side of the infield. So I got to see both of them play. Nice. Absolutely, hands down, Cole Tucker's a better baseball player than K. Brian Hayes from oh, what I watched. Oh, interesting. In the series that I was there, I saw him three games consecutively. Then I watched him throughout the season. He's a great athlete. I mean, and, and he has a great at bat, really good eye. The same thing with, with K. Brian Hayes that, you know, really good eye, really good approach to the plate. Yeah. He's a really good defensive player. All the skills are there, but there's just something about Tucker that stuck out to me. I think he hits the ball a little fair, bit harder. Fair. Um, I think there's just as much power there. There's more speed. He's a better base runner, better body type, though I know Hayes has obviously improved that tremendously. Tucker's like 6'4 and lean and strong. Yeah, he's, he's chiseled. And <laughs> looks like he looks like a major leaguer, runs really well. I said, you know, he he hits the ball the other way, just he does, you know, hits the ball the other way, just sort of does all the little things that when you watch him, like, all right, this guy's a major leaguer. And my worry with him is, like you said, what's the upside now? Yeah. Can he steal 40 bases at the major leagues? Maybe. That's the biggest question is, you know, if, if, if he gets sent enough and he has, you know, that speed and it plays up at that level, then he has a ton of upside. But I think that's like a ten percent chance. I think this guy's probably more like a twenty steel guy and he hits two seventy and then like is he really any better than Freddie Galvis? You know, which I, I guess he said, had a couple yeah. of twenty twenty seasons, but like that's what the knock is. So but forty seven
2: bags last year. Wow. Yeah, I didn't notice
1: that. If it all ticks up, if it all ticks up, let's say he's a thirty steel guy and he gets to like 12 to 15 homer pop because of those juice balls and maybe he adds a little loft to his swing because he has the approach yep. and maybe he becomes a 285 hitter because he's stinging the ball a little bit more and he had that nice baseline of approach anyway and the speed that's going to play up his batting average on balls and play okay maybe we got something you start here. To get so, a more interesting
2: yeah you're like 12 20 with 280 bat it's like he's that's a little
1: valuable. bit he's a little bit closer there's small tweaks I think the biggest worry with him is that the upside isn't so great, but I think the floor is still a little bit higher than K. Brian Hayes. Cause for me, K. Brian sure. Hayes needs to hit 25 homers. If he's only hitting 15 homers and he's hitting 300, pff, I don't need him on my fantasy team. You know, then like he's interesting sure. in a real life sense. Cause I think he's a, a, a good baseball very, player. Very Again, good, yeah, good third approach. baseman, good arm feels his position. Well, he's obviously serious, a, a serious kid in terms of like, you know, Trying to improve his hitting, improve his fit, you know, improve his fitness, which was a big knock on him. He's got the, you know, MLB bloodlines as well, but I, I can't I can't get over the fact that he slugged 363 and he's twenty-one in, in high. So it's not like he's nineteen and he's slugging three sixty three and I can totally throw it away. Like, dude, you you need to hit for a little bit more power. You're a third baseman, and that's gonna be your position. You need to at least slug 450. I'm sorry. Maybe that's it's fair. there. I don't. I don't think it's. It's also the Florida State League. I get that. Bradenton is a huge ballpark. I've been there enough that believe me, I've seen you know several games over the years. Because like I say, that's the trip I was just on. I just unfortunately I, I missed minor league baseball by a week this year when Easter's a little bit later. It's a little bit mm. better. But getting off track here. Yeah, I don't know. Tell me about Hayes because I know you you like him. So why don't you try and I sell do me a lot, on him? Yeah. I don't dislike him. I don't want to make it sound like I hate K. Brian Hayes. I'm not the K. Brian Hayes haters club over here. But at the same time, what's the upside for fantasy?
2: I think the upside for fantasy is, is like twenty five bombs. I think you can get to it with it with an advanced approach, and we're talking like we're talking like actualizing everything and getting there. The interesting thing here, though, Ralph, that I don't think we're gonna get too much, just because we're in the same area, is that you got you got live looks at these guys, and I didn't. I will admit that I got video looks, etc. So I, I always love combining the two perspectives, and like the fact that you see something in Colt Tucker and you put Colt Tucker, bum, like absolutely, like I I, I can't debate that with you at all, because I didn't see the guys, you know. So I love that. I love that perspective, especially when like just me video scouting and looking at the. Stats I, I just, I, I just like what I see in terms of the fantasy potential. I think from Cumbrian yeah. Hayes more just because, I if what I see in his swing is it's extremely, extremely polished. It's so smooth. There's really not much movement at all. It's it starts his hands a little bit low, but the plane of the bat is pretty flat. And this actually is something I wrote about in regards to Christian Pache. Very, very different hitter, probably polar opposite kind of hitter, but oddly similar in terms of this one unique particular thing that I've seen with them. And I honestly would like to see Cabron Hayes, obviously, as you're saying, like he's got to get into more of an up, uppercut in his swing. I think there's a little bit of natural loft, but it, it, that probably happens on pitches belt and above for him just because aware the bats going through the zone consistently. And it's so consistent and it's all fields pop. Like he's, I'm pretty sure he's like 35% distribution on batted balls each way. Like there's all fields here. There's all fields approach, but I would like to see obviously the, the power take up a little bit and, that's more of a projection thing for me. I think I just see it more. I think that there's not too much tweaking that needs to be done. Like, there's some guys, you look at Christian Pache, and I know that he's, he hit two home runs off uh, in that minor league game on the Braves. I know he had a couple home runs, and everyone's kind of going crazy with him. Um, <laughs> but for him, even, like, where does that power go to for me, though? Because, like, I've, I've watched a lot of Christian Pache tape, and I don't mean to jump to the Braves mm-hmm. here, but, like... Is that a 20 home run bat? Is that a 25 home run bat? No, 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 no. The, the power, like we said, we say Christian Pache got power. Christian Pache had no power, zero power, like 15 tool power. Like there was nothing there. Goose and he egg. goes up and he gets some power. It was a goose egg. So when he goes up and gets power, he's probably more like a 10 to 12 home run bat now. You know? Yeah, he could so be like, Ender. He could be Ender and Yes, exactly, exactly. I'm not not, not trashing Pache at all. like Real-life value on Pache is immense. I think he could be a very, very underrated major league player. But on the fantasy side of things, it's more steals upside than pop for me. You just hope that you can get to the 10-12 so you can get that comp and you can can fill out the Kevin Pilar comp that he keeps getting from a lot of scouts, which I agree with. But uh, but going back to Brian Hayes here, you know, I just – when I see a guy like this and I like the swing and I think that the bat's flat and I – i like the swing enough to know that there's probably not a massive adjustment needed to get that bat to a point where he's hitting 25, 20 home runs and getting into that window. And the fact that I know he's a little bit older, probably, et cetera, and maybe you start to kind of fade him a little bit because of that. But I love the approach here. I think it's really, really advanced. And the fact that I think he has a little bit of that power stored away in the potential side of things gets me really excited about him. I think I have him probably in the back half of my top 100 so I'm, I'm not fully buying in. I know that Long and Hagen I believe in McDaniels over at Fangraphs have him. I think inside the top 50 so they're fully bought on the power approach I'd probably bounce somewhere between between what you're saying here where you're kind of more like yeah and I'm more like yeah I'm not like the yeah I'm like the yeah you so <laughs> emphatically changing the word yeah to tell you where he is well, on my list which and is the defense very, very is good <laughs> accurate. and he,
1: he runs pretty well it's he's, a smart, he's a smart player so I think oh, yeah. you know that all plays into it but I don't know. I just got to see it. And maybe, you know, I'll, I'm fine being the doubting Thomas on K. Brian Hayes until, okay. yeah, yeah. until it, uh, it comes back. And I think, you know, fantasy versus real life. Sometimes it can deviate pretty heavily with it some can. of that stuff. And maybe but I'm blending them. I don't much give a shit. I love he, the
2: defensive player. Or not, that's a very know? good point. That's fair. And I think that really only helps for playing time. And I mean, I don't think that's gonna be too big of an issue with him. Cause I think he's got enough approach where it doesn't matter. So and we're talking about no real uppercut and swings, and now we go to a big uppercut in the swing. From what I was looking at, Calvin Mitchell Ralph has a bit of yes. a hole. He really can't get anything on the outer third of the plate. But uh, <laughs> I didn't like the fact that he's fifty-six percent pull to his pull side. A lot of pull there, oh, but yeah. but the, the structure of the swing actually isn't that bad. I think that obviously you see a lot of natural uppercut in it, but I, I've seen worse. I think that he probably swings and miss less than I thought he would. Um, just from the structure of the swing, I don't, I don't mind it overall he's kind of interesting to me. How much do you like him, Ralph?
1: Yeah. You know, I think the thing with, with Mitchell is he just, he's very raw, but the raw stuff that he does have is he has that raw thump. And that's one of those things that we, Mm, you know, we we all sort of crave and we go after, you know, I, you know, I I don't know how much anything else plays up. I don't know if he's ever going to be a great contact hitter. It's not a very good runner. It's a corner outfield profile. He's probably a left fielder, but, if he could hit 30 homers, that's kind of interesting. At this point, he's relatively free in most dynasty leagues, so I think a guy Absolutely. like that, even in you know the deeper formats, he's worth a flyer because the upside is the power that could totally play. And you know he didn't play in a you know a ton of games, but there's an opportunity maybe this year that that's a guy that could take a step forward if they figure some stuff out mechanically where he just gets a little bit more plate coverage, adds mm. a little bit more approach. He was, you know, a a relatively highly sought after prep prospect coming out of his junior year, uh, struggled the beginning of his senior year. I think I mentioned that in the blurb. I think he was like 0 for 21 or 2 for 21 or something like that to start his senior year. And when you're considered a first round talent and you do that at the high school level, that can severely, you know, sort of uh, knock you down. And I think he was hurt as well toward the end of that season. Um, He was on Team USA. I mean, so he's a guy that, like I said, he had that pedigree. Pirates got him as you know as, as they feel a sort of a discount in that second round maybe they feel' there's some things that they could figure out with him um and I think power prospects like that that are that cheap really interesting I think that's really the the crux of my mm, argument sure. with uh with, no, with Mitchell. and I don't think it's all that different from you know Connor Osselton, if I'm saying his name, yeah, he's going to combo him up actually. Who didn't who didn't play all that much at all? But another guy that was, a, I think, a second or third rounder last year. Pirates did a good job of sort of grabbing some some nice pieces in uh, in last year's draft between sort of Baz and Ussilton and Mitchell, and then I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at Stephen Jennings as well.
2: Yep, they actually had a pretty did, decent
1: draft, so. I uh, did.
2: I've been impressed. Honestly, I, I can't say yeah. too much about the pirate system before looking, but there's a lot of guys here that I I, I, I like certain tools on. You know, there aren't a lot of guys here that yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is weird. Uh, there's a lot of guys here where like there's a baseline, and then you could go. He figures this out. This is a major league regular player, and yeah. that's and essential for depth.
1: Yeah, and there's some guys that you know I didn't even get into writing on my list just because. It hits a mm. point where it's like you know. I think I've said this a million times. I've written about thirteen prospects of the Pirates, and the and the write up is you know two thousand words, and I'm like, how much yeah, longer know. can I go? I mean, especially when there's some of the, Kevin the Newman young is guys like uh, yeah, shirt and a, shirt and apostle to shirt me apostle, is yeah. super interesting. But I feel like I'm a year early even with shirt and apostle. Like, I'll mention them so you know the sure. name. You can do your own work. If you're in a deep enough league, you can go and add them. But yep. I don't need to, like, put him on the radar for 20-team leagues yet because he's probably not going to be owned in most 20-team leagues because he's just too far off and too raw. And the other one is uh, who I know got a full-season assignment and might have gotten a hit today in opening day was uh, O'Neal Cruz, who they had gotten from oh, was okay. a Dodgers J2 kid, maybe back in 2014 or 2015, and uh, he got moved over in some deal for a reliever. I don't know if it was maybe Tony Watson. It might have been the Tony Watson deal. But uh, O'Neill Cruz is a really <laughs> interesting one. And then I think the most interesting name. I don't know if you wanted to jump into like Luplow. I don't think anyone really cares about Luplow. No.
2: Kind of bat first. I'll pop. Uh, I, I didn't. He's more platoon for me than anything. But we could skip yeah. over him. I, uh, yeah. Usultin, 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 whatever. Yeah. I like his. I like his wrap up. He reminded me a little bit of Colton Welker, actually, in terms okay. of prep bat, a lot of pop. Yeah. Decent incorporation of the lower half and the swing, which is something I look for in prep bats with with a ton of pop naturally, is the fact that he's using his lower body is really impressive to me. Um, so Uselton there, yeah, Luplo, again, just kind of pure pop guy. Um, I agree with Newman. He's not really fantasy relevant at all. He's gonna be. He's got a wow. crazy, crazy approach, but man, like he's old enough now where you kind of just go. There's no power there, so I wouldn't. Really I think, touch and him I think Tucker's
1: gonna overtake Williams. him. Like I think Tucker's moved beyond. I, I, I agree. And I agree. Else. You know, Kevin Newman was I think, riding the, the Keith Law hype train for a while, but uh, he Newman was one of is, Keith is Law's a, favorite He's a super guys.
2: utility guy, I think. Where you could plug him in, and you know he's probably going to get on base one time. He goes over three with a walk, but and he's average on defense everywhere. Like he could play second, he could play short, and I. I bet he's slightly below average at third with, with mediocre arm strength, but the glove's probably good enough to stick there. If, if they need it, you know, an emergency guy. Like a Josh Harrison. If we're comping a pirate to pirate here, like obviously not the same kind of bat, pirate but same pirate. in terms of versatility. Pirate to pirate. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was a terrible joke. Oh, my God. It's late. <laughs> yeah, Sharon impossible again. To pirate, sounds, pirate to pirate
1: sounds like a hilarious, like, talk show of two pirates <laughs> talking about pirate issues. <laughs> It could
2: be like a podcast. <laughs> ar, pirate to Pirate. So, anyway. <laughs> Talking about, like, taxes on, on I, goods and rum. <laughs> I have one. Uh, exactly. Ar, oh, the
1: taxes on running. Ar, they're, they're a real problem. Ar, it's robbery. <laughs> it's, it's piracy. Ar, 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 ar.
2: Wow, you got, okay. the, it is, it you is got like, the impressions is, down.
1: Can I, can, I mention, can I mention that I really like uh, oh. Taylor Hearn? I think he's going to be an yeah, awesome yeah. reliever one day. He is a nasty lefty. Did you get a chance to take a look at his stuff? I I mean, did. His secondaries aren't all that polished yet. But, oh, my mm-hmm. God, his fastball is nasty. His mechanics are,
2: are really nice. I like his mechanics a lot, too, actually. Um, he reminded me a little bit of, like, a lefty Hunter Green. Um, and I'm probably purely saying that because they're both African-American. But, <laughs> but leave me alone there, please. But uh, clean <laughs> mechanics. And I swear, you can go back and You're look going, at any Hunter Green J- I've J- talked J-JB about. Crawford I love... <laughs> I am going down the Jimmy Crawford Avenue, unfortunately. But no, Hunter Grady's a guy I always cite for clean mechanics and Hearn reminded me of him from the left side a little bit in that respect in terms of his follow-through, etc. Um, I think I'm mentioning Longenhagen again here for like the third time, but this is one of Longenhagen's guys, I believe. I think he had him inside his top ten. He thinks that he could develop as a As a a starter, and I think he cited, which was an interesting reason, the fact that they gave Tyler Glass now such a long leash as as a as a starter made made him a little bit more confident than maybe to do that with Hearn, which is completely interesting rationale. I kind of like that. Yeah, and I was actually too another guy very briefly, really no ceiling here at all. But Nick Kingham, I actually way back I think in Double A in Altoona in like 2013, I actually saw him um, when he was like had a lot more prospect pedigree. And uh, I don't know if he ran into, like, injury problems. I yeah, want to say he um, went down with TJ Tommy John or something. Some stuff. Yeah, that, that's killer because he was uh, – I'm looking at his fan graphs right now. Back in 2015, he had a small sample in AAA where he was, like, 9K per 9, which is really, really, really polished control. Really yeah. good control guy with, like, a decent K upside. This is, like – I mean, he's 26 now. He's post-hype. I don't think he's made his major league debut yet, but he seems like one of those weird guys where maybe he could put together, like, a – eight, eight, five K per nine with, with really good whip and everything. Cause he might get hit a little bit. He's probably going to give up some home runs, et cetera. But I, I always liked his control. I remember watching him a while back and kind of liking him. And I know he was kind of in that glass now crop, really not the same upside, but I probably said already too much about kingdom. Cause he's not really too relevant. Oh, but but, I, <laughs> I, to but I think that's the
1: thing with this team too, is like, yeah I, I don't want to say it's Ray here. as much as it's the entire organization, but sometimes they sort of find these guys and they take a step forward. I mean, Rivero was always a guy that everyone liked in the Nationals. He came to the Pirates, they figured something out and we've seen the the step he's forward nasty. that Rivero was taking. He's just nasty and you know, he's starting to throw that that breaking ball a lot more. That's been a lot he more effective for three him. Pitch they closer. have guys that take oh that step God. forward. Glass now to me is just it's the mechanic stuff. So
2: Maybe yeah, because been one the of my mechanics loves for are a while. little bit
1: better with Hearns. I think it's just a matter of him developing those secondaries. If Hearn can take a step forward with those secondaries, he can be a knockout like Tommy Hearn. Boom. Another pun point. <laughs> Southpaw. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting late. Should we, should it's we end late. this madness now before we go can crazy? We can we talk
2: two, two seconds on Tyler Glass now? Because I, I really sure. have always liked Tyler Glass now. Uh, he's not really a sure. prospect anymore, but... Do, do you see any viable path to him becoming a starting pitcher? Um, I, I think I'm leaning towards no, but it, that doesn't mean for me that he's not valuable. No, I... I yeah, I think it's, it, tough, I right? think it's there. I, honestly, I,
1: I think that he needs to get Major League innings at this point. Just needs to get confidence. There, there ha, yeah. it has to be... He can't be that good at times in AAA, and it just never translates. Usually... They break down the wall at some point when they're as good as he has been, in and they're like, ah, it's at this, you know, yeah. I mean, it happened with with like you know Jose Barrios, and I mean, took him a little yeah, bit less time. De León too
2: is another one. He's
1: a big, yeah. De León, I think, was a little yeah. We well, had injury like, problems. But, he didn't yeah. have that big nasty stuff, and the fastball keeps getting harder with Glass now too, you know. So
2: you know, I've always loved if, him.
1: If the breaking ball, you know, is as good as it's been. And maybe he figures out that changeup. Maybe it's a third pitch. Maybe it's just being able to land the breaking ball for more strikes. I don't know what it is, but there's something about him that just throws off his command at times and he just loses it. Yeah, You know, tough. and he just can't be efficient and to be a starter in the majors and be effective. You have to be somewhat efficient. You know, you can't waste a ton of pitches every start. Otherwise, you just should pitch for the Rays and go four innings. Maybe that's how it becomes a starter. <laughs> uh, maybe that's maybe it. Maybe he becomes a bullpen <laughs> game starter. We just figured it out. See, we cracked uh, yeah. the code. Uh, we did. call we me Nick the Cage. Glass now
2: code. <laughs> National treasure. Oh man, I love it. Yeah, i always liked Hanks, glass
1: now. Da Vinci Code. What's up?
2: <laughs> those <laughs> movies are the best. Ah, uh, that oh. and Nick Cage. Yeah, I like how I like how in those movies they always go around to like a. Uh, they do these long string of things. They're like, look under that table. Now scratch the table off and you see a map. Then pour water on the map and then pour lemonade on the map. I fucking <laughs> die.
1: I die. We I need I lemonade. You, can't, you <laughs> can't have lemonade that comes from concentrated.
2: It has to be freshly squeezed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cops are coming. Hurry up. Put it in this thing. Let's country, jump in this thing. Country Uber time Uber lemonade taxi. mix does not count.
1: The map will be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> the bad guys coming with country oh time. Oh my god! <laughs> I got left eight. We're gonna really ruin that document, anyway. We're <laughs> ranting, raving, rant, oh, rant ranch. why don't you tell the people where they can find you cool on ranch. Twitter? Oh.
2: I'm on. I can't do impressions like you. I'm not. A, I'm not a big impressions guy. So I can't. I just gotta, I'm just gonna. I'm stick with Lance, which is my normal voice, which is probably relatively boring. Um, at Lance Brosner on Twitter, Big3Sports.com, More of my work. Monday, I have a Raswell column every week that I'll be tossing out there. Um, I did a pitcher thoughts column, which I really liked how it came out. So I, I might try to do a little more of those, just because I, as you we were talking very early in this podcast, I think I kind of watch pitchers more than I watch teams, and then yeah. the, watching the pitchers develops me into watching the team. So, uh, yeah, check out more of my work. Uh, Ralph where
1: are you at? Yeah, I'm Prospect Jesus. Prospect Jesus on Twitter. I'm, I can't talk. Jesus? How do you spell Jesus? I know it's midnight. It's, it's, late. it's
2: late. Prospect
1: <laughs> Jesus on Twitter. You, you know where to find me on Raspball. I have my prospect write up that comes out on Sunday. Probably doing another one of those like every every other Thursday now. Um I'm doing Love my it. pitching profile at Shohei Otani for my first one. I don't know what I'm going to do for my second one. We'll see who's interesting the next couple oh, of okay. nights, where I could sit down and just watch a whole start a couple of times. But usually I go through the start twice, changing up a little bit this year. I went through every pitch last year. I'm not going to do that this year. I'm going to talk about each at bat sequences a little bit. Go through each inning, have a quick summary. Just going to give you some statistics so you know how efficient they were in each inning. Got to watch Otani a couple of times. I rewatched the start and uh, wow, he's every bit as exciting as I thought he would be. Yes. A good what, yeah, like one a pitch year to ago. Matt
2: Chapman. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> but even that one pitch to Matt Chapman was like, it was like an outside. Design, it was right? like, it, it wasn't like completely in the bottom corner, but it was like an outside slider that, yeah. you know, was in the bottom gotta,
0: lower half the of the
1: zone. Point. So it was in the zone and he's got to be able to land those once in a while. And Chapman went out and hit the ball, you know, and he's, Chapman's locked in. He's hitting everything. Even the other hits that he gave up because it was three consecutive hits. I mean, one of them was, uh, was a hundred mile an hour fastball right at the bottom inside corner. And Piscotty just went down and got it. It was a really great piece of hitting by Piscotty, you know?
2: Um, and he struggled it, too, which is, I don't know how the heck he did that. <laughs> he's been struggling a little bit, but, Yeah, I don't know how he did no, that. I loved, <laughs> I a watched a half. little, you, but watched- anyway,
1: you know where to find me. I got the baseball show over on fan tracks and I'm doing my pitching profile. You know, I do the podcast with Gray. I do this podcast. Yeah. I do my prospect write ups so I'm doing some fantasy every day. I wish I could watch more baseball instead.
2: I wish I could watch more baseball, too. Let's go watch some baseball. Oh, there's no baseball on. It's midnight. All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages, message and data rates may apply, reply stop, out The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with hooked on phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level.
2: I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school.
0: Text kid to 323232. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enroll for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP opt out.